Hey guys, it's Pastors Aaron and Terry Bagwell, and we wanted to say thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you enjoy this podcast, be sure to share it with a friend to keep others around you encouraged throughout the week. We hope you have a blessed day and enjoy the podcast. God bless you. Today's message I'm calling Get Ready for Your Miracle. Get ready for your miracle. God always creates order before he performs miracles. Now, something about miracles, miracles is a, is a big word. It, it covers a lot of ground. And I've seen God do miracles in a lot of different ways in my life. I've seen healings that have happened instantaneously. I've seen uh, breakthroughs in people's relationship or mental breakthroughs and all sorts of things that have taken place like in an instant, because God can do things in an instant. And in fact, I believe when the miracle takes place, a lot of times, the moment it happens, it kind of feels like it's happening in an instant. However, there's a lot of preparation that takes place many times before God releases the miracle. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Because sometimes you might be waiting for a miracle for 20 years, or 10 years, or 30 Maybe a few weeks. It doesn't matter the timelines, but there's this season many times where we feel, Lord, there's a miracle on the way for my life. You've spoken this word on my life. Now what? And kind of just like the 120 had to wait in the upper room, not understanding the miracle of the Holy Spirit coming upon them, what that even meant or looked like. There was a process of preparation. And Jesus said, wait and pray. And that's what they did. And sometimes during that season of waiting or praying or preparation, the enemy wants you to lose heart. Well, today I want to encourage you. So as we get into this word today that you don't lose heart, but you keep fired up and keep pressing towards the mark of the high calling that he has for your life. Everybody in here say amen. amen. All right. So I want us to begin with a, a familiar passage, perhaps in Habakkuk. Maybe you've never read this before, but you're going to read it right now in chapter two. Verses 2 through 3, it says this. Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets, that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak, it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry, meaning it will not wait forever that you shall see it come to pass. What God has spoken, it shall come to pass. Can I say that into your life now? What God has spoken, it shall come to pass. In fact, I might need to say it again. What God has spoken, it shall come to pass in Jesus' name. But there's some responsibility as you read this scripture on you, isn't there? Just like the person that was writing this book had to write it down that the Lord answered me and said, you have a job to do too. I've given you a vision, but now I need you to do something. Write it down. Make it plain. How many times do we feel the word of the Lord hit our spirit, hit our heart, hit our mind? We feel the calling of God for something and we leave it in the brain. It won't do anything in your brain. That's the starting place, your mind. But when you begin to see that God is speaking to you, you will begin to understand 
that what begins in your mind takes a step of responsibility, and that step of responsibility is something called action. The vision for your life requires miracles. Do you know the thing God's called you to do requires his miracles to see it accomplished? Everybody still with me? So. The thing that God has called you to do will require his intervention and miracles to see it come to pass. Amen. Because this isn't something that you're doing now on your own. It's something that God has called you to do. Two different things. I want to talk to you about three things that miracles are connected to so that you can walk in the fullness of the vision God has or will give you for your life. Now, let me ask this question. Just take a I'm going to take a quick survey. How many feel the Lord has spoken something to you, but you haven't seen it come to pass yet? Anybody feel that in the room? Is there anybody in the room that maybe you're saying, like, I don't know if God's spoken anything to me. But I'm excited for it. Anybody in that category? A few of us. Amen. Okay. It doesn't matter what category you're in. The fact is the Lord wants to communicate with you. And I know because the Bible tells us that your destiny has already been written. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. Glory to God. All right. So let's talk about this. Today. I want to dig in how to get ready for your miracle. Number one, miracles are connected to progress. Write this down. Take a photo of the screen. However you do your notes, I want you to get this in your heart today. Miracles are connected to progress. In Isaiah 54, verses 2 through 3, there was a prophetic word that was given. And I want to say this. I was praying about this this morning. I felt the Holy Spirit tell me to tell you this. And for anybody who might be watching online who wasn't able to be here, I'm going to read this, but I want you to hear it, not as some distant, disconnected word. I want you to receive this word right now for your life and apply it in this way. Are you ready? Say yes. It says this, enlarge the place of your tent and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare or hold back, but lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes for you shall expand to the right and to the left and your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited everybody say amen and receive that word today enlarge the place of your tent today we're talking about enlarging because god is not a small god god is a big god bigger than any of us could ever understand but you are made in the likeness and image of this god which means that he has put greatness on the inside of you and the world wants us to get complacent and comfortable and small but god is speaking something to your spirit today don't get stuck in a rut don't get stuck in complacency, but yet receive this word today. It's time to enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch out the curtains, lengthen the cords, and strengthen the stakes. Progress requires movement. You can't have progress without movement. So if miracles are connected to progress, guess what? Miracles are also connected to the movement, that you're moving towards the things of God. But movement has to be reactionary to God's clear vision for your life. If you don't have a clear vision at all from God, you won't know where to move. You won't know how to make progress. It'll all kind of be a fog. But the Holy Spirit's so good that he says, if any of you lack wisdom, ask me and I will give it to you liberally. So in the areas where you're feeling confused, 
Ask the Lord and he'll reveal it. And the areas where you're saying, God, I don't really know what you want me to do. Ask him and you shall receive. Jesus said it clearly. Knock and the door will be opened. Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you will find. There are things that are inherent promises within the word of God that are so connected to the actions of your obedience. But yet if we do not operate within those actions, we will not dig up the things that God has for us and they'll lay there dormant just like the man who buried the talent. And in the end, the master came back and said, you're a wicked and slothful servant. Now, I don't know about you, but when I get to heaven, I don't want to see Jesus and be like, hey, you were wicked and slothful. Yikes. I don't want him to look at me and say, I gave you all of this. I gave you the gifts, the abilities, the calling, and you buried it and did nothing with it because you were so consumed with your issues and your problems and your insecurities. If you would have gave it to me in the altar, you would have soared like an eagle. Are you in the room today? So there has to be something when we hear a prophetic word, it's time to enlarge the place of your tent. Nobody's going to enlarge it except you. You have to receive the word from heaven and say, God, that's my word. I'm ready to start moving the stakes out. I'm ready to pull them out of there. You ever build a tent? Isn't it a pain? And these tents were even harder than the ones we think of from REI or something. But, I mean, those stakes in the ground, I always think when we put up our Christmas decor and then we have those, like, blow-up ones that the air turns on the Santa or something. And, you you know, you got to hit the stakes in the ground. Well, these stakes were like this. So when they said it's time to pull up the stakes and reposition the stakes, I don't know about you, that's a lot of hard work. And the reality is this, that in order to walk in the fulfillment of what God's called you to do, There's going to be some hard work involved, but that's where your miracle is. So I don't know about you. I kind of, why are we scared of that hard work, right? We shouldn't be scared of it. We should run towards it because when you run towards the thing that God's calling you to, there's movement taking place that starts preparing some progress and the miracles of God start pouring out in your life. Everybody say, amen. You have to be in fellowship with God to hear his voice and receive his order. Why was Moses more interested in God's presence than getting to the promised land? He was getting order from God. Why did Jesus, who was born of the spirit, fast in the desert until he experienced the power of God? He was downloading. He was connecting. He was saying, Lord, what do you want me to do? I'm Jesus, but I'm about to walk into my ministry. But before I do, I need to know exactly where to go, what to do and where to start. Lord, reveal it to me. You know what? God's so good. He will reveal it to you. Now, Genesis 1, 1. Does anybody know what that is? That's the first scripture in our Bible. It reveals a God who takes chaos and puts it into order. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form. It was void. Darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then, everybody say, then. God looked at the chaos And then did something. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light, saw that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. God is a God of order. You're made in the likeness and image of God. Therefore, he wants order in your life. If your life feels out of order, you have to get into God's presence to get it back into order. Are you with me today? Are y'all thinking about hot dogs because it's, like, you know, a holiday? 
I want you to grab this today. Now, the very first time I encountered God's presence as an adult was in the nation of Kenya. I was 23 or 24. And I went on this missions trip simply with zero practical expectation. I just knew in my spirit I needed to go. Uh, I love what um, Jesus and Andre and Bud all shared today. Kind of like, hey, you ever been? No, you need to go. And sometimes we overanalyze. Why do I need to go? What am I going to do? Will it really impact my life? It costs a little bit of money. How am I going to get work? What about my children? Right? On and on and on. The list of reasons why we cannot do something for God is infinite. And the enemy, if you give him way, he'll, he'll add to your list freely. And then before you know it, you can now show your big, long, busy list to anybody uh, you'd like to show them why you didn't do what you felt in your heart to do. Now, it starts by getting it in your heart, right? God will put in your heart what you should do. So God put this thing in my heart to go to Kenya. Now, I didn't put it there. God did. I never thought to go to Kenya a day in my life till this moment. And a pastor, I was telling him, I said, man, I just feel stuck. I feel like I'm in a rut. He's like, well, why do you feel that? Well, you're a worship pastor at a big church. You have records. You have notoriety, blah, blah, blah. I said, I don't know, but I feel stuck. What do I do? He says, you need to go to Kenya. Like Africa? What? We were at dinner eating a nice steak. I said, I don't know, man. I kind of like just chilling here. He's like, yeah, but that's your problem. You're stuck. So you want to cling to comforts that you're familiar with, but yet at the same time, you want to whine about being stuck. Which is it? Which do you want more? Do you want more of God? Do you want your destiny? Do you want this? Or do you want to sit here and whine about it? Woo, there's a lot of whining that goes on in faith. And there's a lot of whining if we allow the devil loves. He'll pat you on the back. He'll sit and just say, oh, poor baby. Is it tough, baby? You are in a rut. I'm sorry, sugar. I mean, the devil will just love on you. He'll say, stay in that rut, sugar. Just I know it's tough. Aren't people mean? Yeah. They are, aren't they? Do you feel even more sad now? I want my mom. That's right. You do. But she doesn't love you. I'm Satan, I'm evil, right? You know, and I just want, and so the spirit will pat your rut and say, go deeper, fall asleep, get a blankie, die there. Because he knows if you fulfill your promise, you're going to tear down his kingdom. And so what does he try to do? He tries to make the path nice and easy for you, nice and comfortable. Just stay where you're at. It's real interesting when you're not doing anything for God. Sometimes other problems can diminish a little. But then something in your spirit starts to reject it. Mm. Now, I'm not good with this, though, because that's not what God called me to be. And then you come to a church like this one where we talk about the calling and the destiny and the purpose. And all of a sudden, you're like, man, man there's something more going on here. I, I don't want the enemy's like, no, 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 baby, stop it. And then you're like, nobody puts baby in the corner. You know what I'm saying? Like, nobody. <laughs> what begins to happen there is a spiritual war that is taking place for your soul and not just you for your children not just for them for your children's children there is a generational warfare happening so if the enemy can get you to kind of get comfy and cozy in your rut and get to a point where you stay there and accept it and then you've, you're not careful you just become a complainer and a whiner and let me tell you that doesn't do anything to change this earth what does call down God's miracles is movement, which is connected to progress. Are you in here? So here I am whining, more or less, at a dinner. 
And the pastor says, you need to come to Kenya. I said, wait, that doesn't make any sense. Am I going to lead worship? He says, no. Oh, well, why would I go? I thought you said you wanted to get out of your rut. Yeah, well, come to Kenya. I believe you'll get out of it. I go, that doesn't make any sense. He goes, since when do you get to make sense about how God works? Isn't his ways higher than your ways and his thoughts higher than your thoughts? So you think you're, you don't like this rut you're feeling. So now to have a spiritual breakthrough, you also know the answer. Clearly, you don't know the answer. That's why you're in the rut in the first place. Maybe this is speaking to you today. So you know what I did? I said, well, when are you going? He's like, four weeks. I'm like, ooh, that's fast. That sounds expensive. He's like, yeah, probably your airline tickets are last minute now. So, But if you're called to go, just go, man. I'm like, yeah, but it's a lot of money. He's like, so? You got credit cards? Load them up. <laughs> like this guy, this pastor was so relentless on me. But there was something God was using him to speak to the depths of my spirit. Here I was really trying to cry out to God. Terry and I were praying about some things. Ah, God, God, and God gives me an answer. He gives me a person and says, hey, 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 hey you have, I, I think I know what you need. You need an encounter. You need an encounter. You're not going to get it in your current flow. You're in a rut over here. Let me, I have to remove you literally on an airplane and take you halfway around the world. And all of a sudden, you're in a new, new, new environment. You're around people you don't know. You have no expectations on your gifts and your talents and everybody who says they think they know who you are and all these things. It doesn't matter who your dad is or who your grandparents are. Nobody's going to know you. It's just going to be you and God, and you just need to go. So I went. And it cost thousands and thousands of dollars. And I almost didn't go. And we had to get all these permits and uh, visas and all these things. But it all worked out. So here I am in Kenya. And God speaks to me while I'm there. He speaks to I had an encounter with God. He woke me up in the middle of the night around 2 a.m. I remember I had my own little hotel room. And I was in there. And I felt the glory of God in that room. And I was fearful, like holy fear. I knew it was God's presence. And I remember I got out of the bed and just got on my face and started worshiping him. I said, God, you're in this place. And I just started praying in tongues. I didn't know what to do. I was terrified in a good way. It was the holy fear of God that came over me. And I just said, God, Lord, speak to me. What do you want to do? What do you want to do in my life? God, what is it? What is it? What is it? And I, and I just basked in his glory. But he was doing something. He was giving me an encounter. He was reminding me of the reality that he is here for me. He was reminding me that he called me. He was reminding me that he put me on this earth and this planet for a reason. And that here I was in a rut thinking I had it all figured out. I didn't have anything figured out yet. And through that process, God finally spoke to me. He spoke something very simple. He said, I've called you to the nations. That's all he gave me. That's enough. Sometimes you don't need a hundred word document or a thousand word essay from God. You need three or four or five words and just grab onto them and let them go deep. He doesn't give you all the details. He just gives you the life word at times. And I remember I called my wife and had this experience and I shared and said, will you pray? I don't even know what this means. I'm going to keep praying. And so when we came home, we agreed and we said, we don't know what this means, but we're going to take some steps. So we said, I, I think if God's called me to the nations, I need to start, we felt led, we need to start a ministry. And that was where we started Expect Hope. It wasn't called Expect Hope then. We didn't have all that put together. We just started something. We made logos. We made letterhead. You know, we just, just tried something. We like, we didn't know what we were doing. Like, we just got to get something going, right? I was trying to make some progress to the miracle that God had called me to. And I didn't even know what it was yet. 
but I do know he answered my prayer. I do know I was in a rut, and when I came back, I never again had that feeling. I do know since that moment, I've been running after God with all my might and all my heart and all my soul, and the $5,000 it cost me, I'd pay it 10 times that to have that encounter again if I needed it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That sometimes we trivialize the natural things and say, oh, it's too high of a price. Oh, the money's too much. Oh, the time's too much. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. And Satan's like, that's right, baby. You can't do anything. Come to Papa. Come on, stay in your rut, sweetie. Nah, break out. Do something right. You want a radical encounter with God? Do something radical for Jesus. Hallelujah. And the miracles, this postured us for our first miracles in the ministry. It was a posturing where we began to say, Lord, here we are. You gave us the word. You called us to the nations. What does that call mean? I have no idea. But I'm sure you'll help us figure it out over time. And miracle after miracle after miracle came. But I tell you, it all began first with progress. And that progress didn't happen first until we made some movement towards the word that God had spoken. What's the word God spoke in your life you're not doing? Has God given you a word? Maybe he gave it to you a long time ago. Have you fulfilled it? Have you ran towards it? Do you know when God gives us a word, he also says, hey, it's time to enlarge the tent. You don't just get a word and then see a miracle. That there is some action you have to take in order to see it fulfilled. It's that simple. That faith without works is dead. I mean, what good are we if we're the hands and feet of Christ and all we do is think a lot? Thinking doesn't do anything. Thinking is the beginning place. It's the place of ideas. It's the place of creativity. But until you take those thoughts and let it go, oh, come into your hand and then pick up a pen and start writing or typing, you haven't even taken a step yet. Write it down. Make the vision plain and say, God, I feel like you've called me to help children. Oh, that's scary. I've never said that before. That's where it starts. God, I feel like you helped me to help homeless. Oh, I can't believe I wrote it down. Something begins to happen when you start to write it down. You get it out of the brain and it gets more real. Then it gets real scary the second you share it with somebody. And a word to the wise, don't share it with just anybody. I remember when Terry and I shared our... Our, our vision and our excitement with some loved ones and their first words are like, what are you thinking? Like friends, they're like, are you crazy? Like, no, 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 you're supposed to be happy for me. They're like, you're nuts. This is, why would you do this? And all of a sudden, all my excitement got deflated a little bit. And then we had to go back to prayer and be like, God, did you call me to do this? Or to those people? God said, I called you. I didn't call you to live by people's opinions. I called you to be obedient to my spirit. Now, miracles are connected to preparation. Hey, T, I'm going to jump, jump a point. Miracles are connected to preparation. Jump to that one. John 14, 2 and 3. Jesus said these, in my father's house, there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you and if I go and prepare a place for you I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am there you may be also think about this Jesus is preparing right now for you before you ever enter into eternity what a miracle is that 
that there is a preparation taking place Jesus himself is doing in eternity for you and for me. I read this scripture in Philemon chapter one. It's the only chapter in Philemon. Uh, If you've never read it, it'll take you like five minutes. It's a very short book, maybe the shortest in the New Testament. In verses 21 and 22, Paul is writing Philemon and he writes this whole note. But at the end of his letter here, verse 21, he says, I am confident as I write this letter that you will do what I ask and even more. One more thing. I love this part. Please prepare a guest room for me. Now, Paul's in prison right now. Ha ha. Y'all are quiet today. Paul's in prison telling this guy to make him a hotel room. Are you with me? This is an awkward request. He had no sign of getting out. He had no release date. They didn't do probation. There's a good chance he'll just die in that prison. Here's what he writes. One more thing. Would you please prepare a guest room for me? I'm hoping that God will answer your prayers and let me return to you soon. Jesus is preparing a room in eternity, but this is a good example naturally that took place. Paul said, would you prepare a room for me by faith? By faith. I'm in prison. If I play the odds, you'll never see me again. But I want you to take a precious room in your home. Now, these these people did not have mansions with seven bedrooms. Many of them had one bedroom, maybe two at the most. So when Paul says, would you prepare a room for me? This actually took faith that they were going to do this correctly. That they actually would have to give up a major portion of their house by faith to prepare for the man of God, for the miracle to come into their church and into their community. And I believe they did. That that preparation took place that God many times will ask you to prepare for what is yet to come. So Lee, give me, if you would, the, the small container here. Now, you're, you're calling, uh, this is a very simple illustration, but this is a cup, as you can see. So imagine your current activities for the kingdom filling this cup. Um, if I'd fill it with water, you get the idea. This is as big as it gets. It's full. What happens? We fill it, we drink it, we fill it again. There's a routine, a habit that comes from this. There is something that becomes comfortable about this you know what to expect you know how to do it you become pretty good at it hey you need me to fill the cup i got you you can fill it up mm, drink it down give it to somebody else you know what it takes to fill this cup up after a while this isn't hard to do anymore maybe when you first received the cup it was a challenge but now that you have the cup going it's all right it's good but when we talk about preparing room for a miracle by faith you have to start preparing to walk in the vision that God has given you. In the same way I mentioned how Terry and I received a word, the first thing we did was we started making preparations. We started an organization. That's what we felt called to do. We, we, we created a logo. We started spending money on things with zero idea if we'd ever see that money again, but it was all part of the preparation. We say, God, you've called us to do something to the nations. We better figure it out and start learning. We started educating. We started spending money on schooling things. We started spending money on uh, online classes and things. We started connecting with other preachers and traveling to them, saying, will you teach us how to do nation work? Because the people I know don't know how to do it, but you do. Will you help me? We started preparing. We started sowing into that vision. And all of a sudden, this cup, this cup, 
uh, started to change. It started to look different because by faith, you have to start preparing to walk in the vision. This is people. Who are you connected with and who are you getting connected with? The people in your current circles probably won't take you to where you need to go. So who are the people that you need in your life? I don't know. Do you know Terry and I prayed in mentors? We said, God, we have no idea how to do this work. Give us people that do, though. Lord, and I I didn't know who to expect. I didn't know if anybody would come. And all of a sudden, some of the most reputable, uh, well-known ministries in the international work literally knocked on our door called our phone. And you know what they said? God told me that I'm supposed to help you. I said he did. And then they'd say, what do you say? Want to? And of course I was like, yes! I had no idea what that even mean. I didn't know that that would mean that they would ask me to travel with them. I didn't know that that meant a lot more investing of money. I didn't know that that meant I would get corrected by them. I didn't know any of this, but I did know, Lord, I need some people. God will bring them. Pray them in. Terry and I got an invitation to one of the biggest evangelistic ministries in the world. It was Reinhard Bumke. And he was like my superhero of the faith. This guy led more people to Jesus than Billy Graham. And I had posters of his crusades in Africa on our walls in my office. And when this invitation came, it was big and fancy. I mean, this was a fancy invitation with layers. And you opened it, and there was another layer. And it was just so fancy. And it was all done and special writing. And there it was, Aaron and Terry Bagel, you are invited to this event in in Florida. All expenses paid. Would you be my honored guest Black tie affair, bring your tuxedo. I'm like, I don't have a tuxedo. Would you come on these dates? Now, when we got it, we assumed it was for, like, my, my father uh, or somebody. Like, this was not for us. We had zero connection at this time. This made no sense when this invitation came to us. So I took it to my dad. I said, hey, Dad, we got this invitation. Uh, do you want to go to this thing? Well, he didn't. He was busy when I asked him. and he didn't, He's like, what is it for? When's the dates? Oh, I'm, I'm busy on those dates. I, I can't go. Just, just call him and tell him I can't go. Thank you so much. You know, decline politely for me. I said, no problem. So I call him and I say, hey, so I talked to my dad, Dr. Bagwell and my mom. They unfortunately they can't come, blah, blah, blah. So the person's like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Who, who'd you say? Dr. Bagwell. Dr. Aaron Bagwell? I'm like, no, not Dr. Aaron. Doctor, it's like, well, this invitation isn't for whomever you just said. This is for Aaron. Are you Aaron? I'm like, yeah. Well, are you coming? I'm like, wait, this is actually for me? And I'll never forget this guy's like, yeah, your name's on it. I was like, dude, I don't know you. What's the event for? They're like, this is an appreciation for all of our top donors. I said, bro, that is definitely not me. <laughs> I said, my wife and I are newlyweds. We, we don't have the money. Like, there's a mistake. And he's like, huh, that's weird. That's weird. That's weird. I remember he said weird. It was so weird. He kept saying weird. Weird. <laughs> says, let me ask you something, young man. Do you feel a connection to this ministry? I said, yeah. Have you ever prayed to be connected to this ministry? I said, absolutely. Yes, big time. I'm praying for mentors, and I start sharing with the stranger all these things. He's like, well, then here's what I think. I think God wants you here. I think you should just receive the invitation. Let us pay your way here and just come enjoy it. So we did. I'd have to, we just had to buy a couple plane tickets and rent a tux. Well, Terry didn't. She had a beautiful dress. But there we are, and we're literally in the room with millionaires and billionaires. 
None of them were pastors. These were all just business people that loved seeing people saved. There were presidents of nations there. There were ambassadors. I mean, this was a high-level event. And then us. And we were babies. We still look young. I had somebody tell me they, they thought I was 25 the other day. I said, God bless you, man. But when I was 25, I looked 15. And Terry did too. So here we come in like babies in my little tuxedo like for prom or something, you know. Like, is this where the event is, you know. And we're sitting and people were kind of looking at us like, who are these, who are these people? I'm like, hi, Jeff Bezos. You know, nice to meet you, you know. I said, nobody. But when you're a nobody to people, you're a somebody to God. And God did something on that trip for us. He connected us to that mystery. The, the, the greatest thing I ever could have asked for for training. And God sent us an invitation because they don't even remember sending us the invitation. Do you know the Holy Spirit can send you an invitation to get in somewhere? Even when nobody even invited you. Come on, that's how good God is. You have to pray it in. You have to ask God, Lord, connect me with people. You have to do things that you wouldn't have normally done. You do tools and vehicles or buildings. You have to prepare the room before it even happens. What are you doing to prepare for the calling God's given you? Have you even taken a step to write it down yet? If you haven't, that's your first step. That just takes faith and time. So you're used to this cup, and Brother Lee, bring me. God's trying to build you a much bigger vessel. And this is actually glass, so thank you, brother. Now imagine... How different an experience it is when you're used to this much anointing, responsibility, and God's trying to get you here. He's saying, this is cool. This is nice where you're at, but this is what I've called you to. Are you going to start preparing for this? This is where it takes faith. You have to start doing things you've never done before to get to this. When God spoke that simple word, I called you to the nations, I just did everything I knew how to do, which wasn't much. But I knew how to pray. I said, God, bring us people. Lord, Lord, I'll go. I'll travel places, whatever. Uh, you know, Terry and I just, we figured it out. But every time you take a step towards the Lord in the word he's given you, he starts pouring into a new container. You have to build a new container to receive the new harvest. Can I say that again? You have to build a new container to receive a new harvest. You cannot expect the harvest God has called for you, the promise to you, the vision he's given to you, and think that this is going to do it. It's not anymore. That's what you're used to. That's what you're comfortable with. God says, uh-uh. I need you to start thinking like this. I need you to do the preparation work. I need you to put the effort in before you even see it. You need to show me that you are ready for what I've promised you. And every time you take a step towards that, he starts pouring some in. He starts saying, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Yes, now we're talking. Yeah. Oh, you got a little persecuted? Yes, welcome to the club. It's about time you crossed over. Didn't Jesus say, if they persecuted me, they'll persecute you? If you're not getting persecuted for Jesus, you're not doing anything for Jesus. Should I say it again? Oh, preach, Aaron. 
if you're not getting persecuted for Jesus, it's because you're not doing anything for Jesus. Nobody even knows you're a Christian. Nobody even knows what you stand for. If nobody's persecuting you, you're quiet. Well, it's time to get unquiet. It's time to take a stand for what you believe in. It's time to be known in this world for who God is in your life. And watch the God of miracles start popping up, start popping up, start showing up. I mean, I've been so persecuted, I've had demoniacs attempt to kill me several times. Oh, I don't want that. That's scary. But let me tell you, it didn't happen. Here I am. But you know what's even better? Every single time that happened, God did a miracle and protected me. Hallelujah. I remember I was in Africa, and all I had was my Bible, and we had some skirmishes and different things in different places, and it was pretty wild. And all these guys had their machine guns, and here I just had my Bible. I was like, this is the only weapon I have. This is what God's called me to be. So if this thing can't protect me, then I might as well go home anyways. But it's protected me every single time. Miracles don't happen until you start getting out of the boat. Miracles don't happen until you start putting things into preparation, putting things into order. Start saying, God, I'm starting to move to you in progress. I'm taking steps of faith before it ever happens. I'm saying, yes, I love what uh, Jesus and Andre said, start a change piggy bank. You know what I'm saying? Like, just start putting some money away. Put a buck here, five bucks, 20 bucks, whatever it is, and say, God, I don't even know when I'm going to use it, but this is for my calling. This is for my destiny. Am I, am I too crazy for you? I think everybody's like, would you chill out? My God. <laughs> and I have to tell you something. See, this is why we're a little wild here. It's because we like to live on the edge of faith. We like to be on the sharp point of that spear, piercing the enemy into the darkness and bringing the light of God. I get excited for it. Somebody, one of my friends saw where we were at in Topeka. I didn't even know this because I stopped looking years ago. They said, where were you? And I told them, and they called me like the next day, like, did you know that there's like a don't go there travel warning? I said, no. And you're there? I'm like, yeah, I took a whole bunch of people with me too. <laughs> if we're going to live by the world's standards and not by faith, we're going to be confused and just swirling around in a whirlpool of chaos. Remember that the enemy is the author of chaos. Imagine a world without God, a, a, a world without a church. Imagine how chaotic the world would be. God works by his spirit, and his first act is always the creation of order. Disorder, chaos, what we're seeing in our government, what we're seeing in our schools, what we're seeing in inner cities, what we're seeing uh, around the world. This is a sign of godlessness. And when you see the chaos erupting on this earth, you can point to the lack and the void of the presence and direction of a holy, orderly God. Are you in the room today? And so when we look at this world around us, it is a world of chaos. I don't know about you, but if I turn any news network on right now for longer than five minutes, I kind of want to puke. It's exhausting. It's chaotic. It's fear-based. Everything about it is to try and stimulate 
fear so that you can get hooked in your fear. It's scientifically proven that fear sells more than happiness. And so newspapers capitalized on it over 100 years ago. And they continue the program today. But if we're foolish enough to say, oh, I need to know what's going on around the world. And we're turning this on and letting it play in our homes all the time. And letting it play in the background so we can be well-informed people. Can I tell you something? You're going to be full of a spirit of fear. It's a spirit of chaos. It's a spirit of disorder. It doesn't mean that we stick our head in the sand and ignore the world around us. But I'm telling you something. If that is the driving voice that you're allowing into your life, you're going to have fear and chaos and disorder. I don't know about you, but I might turn it on for five minutes, make sure there's nothing you know, melting somewhere on the earth, or if it is, I pray for them. But then after that, I put my worship music on. I put on my audio Bible, and I listen to the Word of God. I am always trying to get deeper in my relationship with Him because He is the creator of the universe. He is the one who guides my destiny, and I shall not and I will not allow a chaotic, demonic world to lead my life. So whoever you give your ear to is who you will listen to. Who are you giving your ear to? Hallelujah. Get ready for your miracle. Let's pray today. T, turn on a little worship music for me, buddy. Please, thank you. Who's believing for a miracle in this room? We're all in a different moment in life. But one thing is for certain. We serve a God of miracles. He is waiting to pour out on your life. No matter your struggle. No matter your challenge, no matter what your battle is, he is the God of miracles. We want to pray for miracles for your life today. Pray for breakthrough today. Hey, thank you so much for watching today, and I pray the message was a blessing to your life. If you want to stay up to date with all things Expect Hope, subscribe to us on YouTube and follow us on social media. You know, we can't do what we do without you. And if you'd like to make a donation to our ministry, please go to expecthopechurch.com. You know, it's impossible to meet all the needs without so many faithful supporters just like you. Thank you for your consideration. And if you're ever in the Denver area, we invite you to come join us for a service on Sunday morning. God bless you. Thank you guys for listening to this week's podcast. Be sure to subscribe and follow to stay up to date in everything we're doing at Expect Hope. We hope this podcast encouraged you and that it will help you through any trials you may be going through. Thanks again for listening and have a blessed rest of your week.